Welcome, friends, to a new podcast for a darker timeline. Maybe the darkest of all possible timelines. Definitely not one of the good timelines. Maybe it's always been a dark timeline. Maybe the Heteron Collider screwed us over. Science may never know. What we do know is that we live in the void. The void. A place where a chittering mass of void crabs can infest a person suit and win the presidency. The void. A place where we're just clever enough to know for sure that climate change is happening, but not quite clever enough to do anything about it. The void seems terrible and cruel, but it loves you in its own ironic way. My name is Aaron Rabinowitz, and I love the void. I have accepted the void into my heart, and I seek to know its truth. With my longtime friend and fellow voidling, G.W. Rodriguez, we want to help you accept the void. To learn to live as a fleshy one in a world of sharp metal and indiscriminate pain. Nothing we say can prevent the inevitability of your death. But there is some time between now and then. And what better way to fill it than by sitting back, cracking open some freshly baked void crab and a little totally real cake, and contemplate the nether that consumes us. Now is the time to embrace the void. Warning, this podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people. Welcome all to episode one of Embrace the Void. My name is Aaron Rabinowitz, and with me at the other end of the void is my good friend GW. How you doing, G-dubs? Feeling dark, man. Feeling dark. How about you? I'm doing all right, man. Another beautiful day in the void. Thanks to the neighbors, my apartment is currently infested with flies. So it's uh, it's sort of feeling like Beelzebub is here for our maiden voyage. <laughs> yeah, if you get a little bit of buzzing coming through the mic, it's the, the sound of His Excellency humming his approval. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. We've got lots of great stuff for you between now and whenever the sun decides to explode. We've got void hacks to get you through the long, long, lonely night. And most important of all, we've got gallows humor. Because, friends, it's gallows all the way down. I think we need make the void great again hats. Make the void great again, yeah. I agree. The void the void is always great. And we, we must understand its greatness. But we have to make um, it great again. Yeah. So that other voice you're hearing uh, is my good friend GW. Um, say hi to the voidlings, GW. Hi, everyone. That's wonderful. He's going to be great for all the serial killer scenes. <laughs> it's the deep voice. I know. You, you could do Buffalo Bill in an instant. It's fucking perfect. <laughs> um, so we're here because um, we have a really twisted sense of humor and free time. And we're sort of inspired by some other podcasters who um, we both love and listen to. Uh, and we respect that they've... Uh, they take the time out of their lives to try to help people with um, living in the world that we live in. And so uh, we're sort of trying to do the same thing here, only in our own terrible way. Sounds about right. Right, pretty much. Um, so hopefully we bring a little something to the table and like bare minimum, you know, we'll amuse ourselves and we'll amuse our dark masters and the rest of you will, you know, continue to live a life that is suffering because this is the void. That's really my only goal, to make myself laugh and happy. 
Right. I mean, everything beyond that is just like icing, right? Yeah. I was. We were thinking to get started, uh, we would do a little bit of um, uh, Q&A just to introduce ourselves a little bit and how we got here. Um, and I was thinking since you guys are going to have to spend a lot of horrible time hearing all of the ridiculous things that I believe, uh, we should start off by hearing some of the ridiculous things that GW believes. Um, so GW, why don't you... Um, Maybe tell us a little bit about what your background is. I am a Sagittarius. That's how I like okay. to introduce myself to people. At, like, not that I believe in any of that crap. Yeah. Uh, start, start by sounding crazy, and then, then you know, any any time you're in a room or in a meeting, and they're like, "We're going to go around the room and introduce ourselves as if everyone is going to remember everyone's names." Uh, I always yeah. go, "My name's GW, and I'm a Sagittarius." It's, I guess, my way of breaking the humor. Sure. Uh, yeah, I uh, 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 I work <laughs> in theater. I'm a sound designer. I also work at a university and teach. Uh, I freelance doing sound design for professional theater. Uh, I also am working on this podcast. I'm also starting a company, developing a program, and I'm working on writing a book. So I, I've got, I'm doing a few things. Staying busy, like a, yeah. you know, like a usual lazy millennial. Yes, very lazy. Only got a, one or two things going on. Yeah. Yes. And, oh, that's great. So, um. So you're going to be obviously doing all of the hard work. I'm going to be mostly making void-related dick jokes, and then you're going to be <laughs> ha having to edit those into what I hope will sound like excellent philosophy at the end. That's our that's our core demo right there. People who are nodding. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It should be embrace the dick joke. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dick jokes like the void—they never get old. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, sweet. So, what made you uh, want to do a podcast? In most of the podcasts I listen to, uh, I listen to a lot of that are like skeptic based, and a lot of them I notice aren't always skeptical or or pursue skeptical means to an end. Uh, uh, and I've always been a strong advocate for uh, civil debate, mm -hmm. uh, uh, being able to talk to someone and and voice your opinion, voice their opinion, and listen to their point of view. Uh, uh, in a respectful way, not resorting to name-calling in any way. And I think that uh, finding a way to help people do that, I think, will make everyone's life, at least in this society, much better. Because uh, I feel like people are constantly just screaming at each other all the time, and I'm tired of that. I'm tired of people sure. just screaming at each other and jumping to conclusions and making assumptions as to uh, who someone is or what they think. And right. I'm hoping that this will be a way that we can sort of like figure out the tools to do that. Yeah. No, I mean, we can totally uh, give everybody all the tools that we have from our rhetorical toolboxes and that'll be good. And then um, they'll go out in the world and they'll realize that people don't change their minds anyway. So that'll be fun. And then we can all dance around the void. Um, yes. yes. But yes, I think that, you know, while we're hanging around with nothing better to do with our times, we might as well try to figure out how to do a little better at the things that we like to pretend can actually make a difference. Yeah. I mean, at least be consistent with your outrage. Like, sure. That, that's all I'm hoping for. Like, just be sure. consistent with your outrage. Like, if, like if, if you were upset about private servers with Hillary, then at least be upset that Trump is still using his unsecure phone. Like, just be consistent. Right. Right. Don't don't pretend that because 
there are particularly violent sects of Islam that have sprouted up in, in recent times that we can ignore the fact that, you know, Christians stopped murdering people like a week ago. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Not really. Weren't Not really they blowing the people up in the 80s over, like, abortion clinics or something? Sure, sure. And, I mean, we know that there are still plenty of them that, that, were, that are as desperate for another jihad as, as uh, another holy war. They call it a crusade, I suppose. We should use yeah. their terminology. Yeah, we don't because want they're the repressed group. Right. Um, yeah, so, so what do you think? Like... Uh, going into this, you know, uh, we have a slightly different perspective, I think, but we're also on similar pages when it comes to how bad things are. So do you feel like this is a dark timeline or like the darkest timeline? I mean, it's tough to say because there's definitely things that could be significantly worse uh, uh, than they are now, but I'm thinking things are pretty, pretty bad. Uh, and I constantly have to check myself because I don't know if uh, sort of like what Will Smith said when, I think it was Colbert that was interviewing him, and he's like, uh, he said something, in fact, I'm going to paraphrase, I don't remember the exact quote, something along the lines of, uh, uh, it's always been racist, it's just now getting filmed. Uh, and so and so I'm one, I, I, don't re, I don't know if things are worse or things appear worse because of the internet and globalization and the ability to get videos viral as easy as they are now compared to even 15 years ago. Yeah, and that's one of the things that really, when we were first sort of trying to find our way into what this podcast was going to be, one of the things that we talked a lot about was the the epistemic crisis that our culture is going through right now, where we just can't even seem to manage to know what's actually true at this point. There's just so much overwhelming amounts of information, and so much of it is either biased or fake— or hard to properly source. And like, when you compound that with all of our personal privilege, it's just, how do we, like, it's, it seems like a very dark timeline to me, and I don't even really know how bad it is out there, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, because from our perspectives, uh, we only have a small glimpse, and obviously we are both privileged uh, uh, in a common way, both being men, but we're pr- privileged in a little bit different way, uh, uh as well, and sure. and it's sort of difficult. I think there was there was this interview with Larry King on uh, RT, and uh, it was a bunch of journalists in the room asking him questions. And someone asked him, like, you know, what was the story that impacted you the most? And he talked about this story of uh, this police officer who's paralyzed, and uh, from this kid who shot him. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, him and his partner heard a report that there was a stolen bike, and they saw this young African-American kid uh, or black kid uh, walk, uh, riding a bicycle in Central Park. And they, they went to go stop to ask him some questions. And, you know, they just stopped, got out of their car very casually, and immediately the kid turned around and shot him. And the cop went to the, to the jail. The kid was convicted, obviously. And he went to the jail after he was able to be in a wheelchair, but he was paralyzed still to this day. And he just wanted to know why. Like, he, all he said to this kid was, like, you know, hey, could you stop for a second or whatever it was? And, and this kid immediately shot him. And uh, what he said was, uh, for the last couple of months, I got a job. And I've been saving for the last two months to get this bike. And you were the 10th cop that day to stop me and ask me if that was on my bike. And he, hmm. And Larry King was like, and the cop realized in that moment what racism was and he he 
has made it his life's work since then to train other cops on how to not profile people. And, and it, it was such an incredible story. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the sort of stuff we're hoping to try to find here, right? Is the, the slivers of, of light around all the void. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll get to decide that we're not the darkest of all timelines at the end of this. Maybe this is, you know, yeah, hopefully amongst the dark timelines or something. Yeah, the darkest timeline would be Trump getting reelected. Yeah, I mean, that's another good question. It's like, what are your what are your red flags for thinking that, like, things are going even worse? Like, like we've gone into a really bad timeline here. Like, uh, I think it's mostly where you don't know what to think. You don't know what is true. And because <laughs> we constantly have to think about, like, but is that true? It You have to th- second-guess everything. And because you have to second-guess everything, it's impossible to sort of trust anything. Uh you know, when you have the president of the United States repeating things that are on Breitbart or things that are obviously demonstrably and verifiably false, mm-hmm. you know, just like, you know, the three million voter uh, illegal voters in California, which is not true, 100 percent not true. Uh, but then he tweets it and then everyone it, it it's this. uh uh, cognitive dissonance or this there's a confirmation bias because he has gotten to the highest seat in the land that he watches something on uh, uh, some source tweets it and then everyone else that saw it was like oh I knew it yeah and and weeding out that information is so difficult that like once it's already there the psychology seems to suggest that it's just not going away you're not gonna you're not gonna get it back out of their heads yeah um, and like you know, when you listen to discussions between supporters and not supporters on this sort of stuff, like there's just never going to be any agreement on the basic facts even because there's no there's no way to force people to agree to the facts. Right. Which is a fact isn't a thing you have to agree to. Right. A fact is a fact is a fact. It, yeah. I mean, I agree that I agree that there's an objective reality, but I also think that you're never going to be able to force your perspective of the objective reality on other people if they don't want it. And uh, that, that begins and ends the conversation, unfortunately. Right. It's like when someone says that they don't believe in evolution. You don't have to believe in it. It's a, it's a scientific theory. There's no belief needed. Right. Um, I think that something that I see that I, I, I feel like we have to call out to some extent is that um, on our side, you know, we're seeing a lot of the free speech debate and, and like Milo and how to like, what's the best way to deal with a troll and a lot of arguments about whether deplatforming is the right way versus debating them. That's mm-hmm. this whole back and forth. And I think um, there's sort of an assumption, especially amongst the people who are really pro debate and like I'm as pro debate as there is. I'm a Socratic philosopher, like down the line. I will debate until the end of until the end of time on an issue, any issue, pick an issue. Um, <laughs> but I also know that it doesn't work on people who don't want it to work on them, and there is nothing that works on people that you don't that don't want something to work on them, and that it's a sort of wishful thinking problem in thinking that uh, we can fix the problem of false news with enough good information and debate, and it is a mistake. It's similar to, I mean, in my mind, it's a secular version of, of like 
oh, well, God will fix everything with justice in the end, even though this world doesn't seem just. Like, and the reality sure. is, no, we just live in an unjust universe where, where bad things happen to good people and bad people often aren't punished. Same thing's true with bad information. There's no actual solution to the problem. You can continue to put out good information. Some people will pick it up, and that's great. But, like, to think that there is any method short of what I, what is basically kidnapping and deprogramming to actually get information <laughs> out of a person. And, like, I genuinely look at the Trump supporters and honestly see a lot of isolationist, cultish behavior that I do think you're not going to crack through with dialogue and and given that we can't kidnap all of them and reprogram all of them, I think we're we're in a situation that's just going to continue to degrade. So yeah, so the next thing, of course, would be um, something that I'm totally making a thing, and this is going to absolutely be a thing. And I just want you to accept that this is going to be a thing, which is worst and best of the void. I think anyone anyone who shows up in our little corner of the void has to give us their worst and best of the void. So what's the thing that that you think is the most worst of the void, and then what's like the way that we survive the, the void in your view? The mostest, worstest part yeah. of the void. Uh, yeah. The voidiest void there the is. The voidiest void uh, that's ever voided. Uh, it's probably alternative facts uh, and manipulation of reality or the manipulation of facts or the manipulation of uh, what is real and the fight against everything that is like ingrained in our constitution, specifically like the freedom of the press. Uh, Trump's attacks on the press, even Chris Wallace, who actually I respect quite a bit, even though I disagree sometimes with his points. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, the, in my personal opinion, I respect him the most on anyone on Fox News because I, I really like how he really digs in. And he mm -hmm. had on uh, someone from, uh, I think it was his campaign manager, uh, on, and he drilled into him pretty hard that uh, uh, Trump doesn't control the press. He doesn't get to tell them what to do, which I really respected. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, I guess that's the darkest. I guess the best part is it's a lot, there's a lot to make fun of. There's so much, <laughs> there's so much to make fun of where you look at these people and you're like, oh my God, you're a real person. Like my, one of my guilty pleasures is like reality TV shows. Sure. Uh, because I look at these people and I go, oh my God, you're a real person. You're so adorable. <laughs> Right. Though how real they are on those is questionable. But yes, you're, you're, you're a person at least pretending to be this this person. I wonder if human beings are destined to just live in a uh, a dictatorship. Like, I wonder if that's our uh -huh. natural state of being. Sure. We just we just <laughs> tend back towards it. I mean, like, what, was, wasn't it Loki on on one of the. Uh, like Civil War movies yeah, or no, the, uh, one of the, the Avengers movies. He's like, isn't that your natural state to kneel? Doesn't that feel great? Right. And then super awesome Jew guy says, no, I'm not going to kneel. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a great scene. And then he um, almost dies. Right. So, I mean, certainly I think it is humans' lot in life to believe false things and to persist in that belief even when encountering true information. And you can make that a little bit better for some people sometimes with a lot of work. But... Uh, I'm not sure that we can fix the whole problem at this point, I think. And I think, um, you know, well, it's guess, hard. But what we're hard. doing is is we're not rolling over and sort of taking it. No, I mean, we'll continue to sort of try. Yeah. We've got nothing else to do with our time. But um, uh, I don't, I think we should set our expectations low for how much one can actually push back on the void. 
I think one can laugh at the void and one can make peace with the void and maybe one can, uh, you know, improve around the edges a little bit, but the void is always a reach around to the void. Right. You could get, you get a little bit of, a little bit of cupping action on the void, but it's not gonna, (laughs) it's not gonna let up all that much to be honest. Right. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so that's one last question I, I was curious about is if you could change one thing, anything, What's the one thing you could change that you could think would reduce the the suffering of the voids the most? That's there's so many options. It's so hard to like boil it down to one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the the quick and easy answer is, you know, the thing I said. That's the worst of the void, which is uh, uh, fake news, uh, mm-hmm. alternative realities, away. making that go away. Um, I mean, that's the easy answer, but it's. It's so difficult. I like, and maybe it ultimately for me it would be getting rid of capitalism. Okay. Like, yeah. Like getting rid of a monetary system would actually right. be the way to sort of get rid of everything. It's like money seems to be the root of all problems. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that there's there's certainly arguments. I just want to be, be in there. Star Trek. Okay. Can we just be in Star Trek? No. How do we get to Star? How do we get from Mad Max to Star Trek? How do we make that jump? Right. I'm not quite seeing it. I don't, I don't know. It's probably warp too. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, you know, when it comes to solutions that we should cons- at this point, just be considering outside the box thinking, you know, like whatever, whatever, whatever could get there. Like if I could change one thing, I think it'd probably be something like, you know, making sure everyone's getting laid regularly. <laughs> I, I genuinely believe that if the quality of everyone's sex life on the planet was suddenly optimal, that like, 90, 95% of the problems would resolve. Right, but you have to deal with those people that, that for them, a, satis- a satisfying lay is the one that's non-consensual. I mean, we're almost there <laughs> robots, right? We're not that far from robots. We can put them in a box. They can have a little ex machina thing go on. And, that's and, true. And they get stabbed, and it's a win-win. <laughs> get stabbed. <laughs> um, so this is our segment, um, which we're calling Void Hero of the Week. Uh, it's whichever mass of uh, flesh happens to make the void more voidy this week. The voidiest of voids. Right, bring about the darkest of voidness. Um, and uh, it seems like our, uh, the pick has been made for us this week, and it's got to be Milo. Because, you know, if you've ever seen uh, a void crab cause this much chaos, it's it's wonderful. So what's your what's your opinion on so there's there's the debate that's happening right now on whether Milo should be allowed to debate or not or or I guess maybe I'm misrepresenting that but whether whether to to try to combat his point of view is it best to do that in a public forum like Bill Maher or is it best to not engage in any debate at all with him right is that is that a good way to characterize the yeah, that's question. sort of the debate, right? Like at this point, the, the the disagreement is between what works better, deplatforming him or just uh, letting him come on and then trying to argue with him. Sure. And despite being a Socratic, I think this is one of the situations where the the deplatforming is the way to go. Like, I, and then the reason is I don't genuinely think that he has an ideology, and therefore there's nothing to debate. He's not even a sophist, right? The sophists, at least. Had What's a, a sophist? Had a, what? What's oh. a sophist? Right. So Socrates. Do, are they people that like dress in sofas? Yes, they're people made of sofas. The sofa people. 
these were these were Greek philosophers around the time of Socrates who took opposing views to Socrates and also got paid to teach people how to argue better. So they were known for making a weak argument the stronger argument, mm. which, you know, there's a lot of those running around these days, certainly. Um, but I don't even think that Milo is even a sophist because he's not making an argument. He's just saying inflammatory things. He's just literally a troll. And it's not even like clever trolling. It's not even a good satire of anything. It's just making people angry by saying horrible things that aren't true and then looking all smug while they try to convince people that what you're saying is false. I think it's only half true. Like, I've, I've heard him actually make arguments. I mean, I clearly disagree with all of them. Uh but I've def- I I guess I'm on the opposite end of, I think that, like, specifically, I guess we're talking about him being on Bill Maher, right? Because that was the, the big hubbub that some liberals were like, he shouldn't be there, and some were like, he should be there. Sure. Uh, and I guess I'm on the side of, yes, he should have been there, because you really got to see, uh, uh, although his trollish behavior uh, was very prevalent. You got to see Larry and I can't remember the other guy's name. The the guy from the intelligence community, right? Uh, both of them confront him and go, "You're wrong, and this is how you're wrong, and you're not like." And I mean, like, I get it. You know, it's satisfying to see Larry Wilmore tell him to go fuck himself. I want to tell Milo to go fuck himself. I think telling Milo to go fuck himself is probably the most reasonable thing you can say to Milo. It's in his own language. He can understand it. And it's it's as reasonable as anything that he ever says. So, like, if we want a situation where people can publicly tell Milo to go fuck himself, I'm for that. I don't – it doesn't solve any of the problems of, like – uh, his position or the people who believe what he believes, like no one's going to change their mind because we told him to go fuck himself, but we're going to feel good about it at least. And like, well, I'm there was also feeling good about it. Yeah. But there was also like, he did that interview with Salon, I think it was Salon.com. Right. And the, the journalist was claiming that she got shut down and, and he, he, his claim is that he's open to debate, which is what he basically said on Bill Maher, that, that humor and debate are the best ways and that – and him and Bill Maher sort of agreed with each other that disagreeing is absolutely fine as long as the topics are being discussed. And uh, in the interview, which I watched the video of, uh, uh, he, he talks about his point of view. The other women talk about their point of view. They sort of go back and forth. And then uh, for whatever reason, which is not on camera um, – uh, he didn't want to continue the conversation, and her claims were, "Oh, he he shut us, he shut me down, and wouldn't engage in a conversation, and which is against what he says." And I was like, "But he actually did. You asked him some questions, he answered your questions. He asked you some questions, you answered those questions. So there was back and forth, and then at some point it did end, uh, which I." Don't have evidence of exactly how or why, just based on her word, which I'm not claiming isn't true, but sure. Uh, I guess my point, my my overall point is that he did engage in debate uh, uh, and did say some uh, very trollishy kind of things, but it's no different than people uh, I do agree with sort of making jokes like like Bill Maher, who I generally like. Uh, he oftentimes will will make say outlandish things that I agree with that are hilarious, um, and I guess I. Uh, uh, think that it should yeah. be okay for someone who I disagree with to do the exact same thing. 
To me, there's like a clear difference between someone making a joke about something and someone making a joke and then pretending that it's actually their position until you push them on it, and then they go back to pretending it's a joke. That's sort of a standard bullying tactic where, you know, Milo's not going to say, oh, I'm just joking about trans people in bathrooms. Milo's going to say, no, I really believe that trans people are sex perverts and that they're going to rape women in bathrooms and I don't want them in bathrooms. And then when you push him on the statistics, he's going to be like, oh, so you're just getting angry. Yeah, yeah, which was actually great, right? When he, in in the overtime portion of... uh, uh, real time, he mm-hmm. made some claim that that there was some statistic that a Pew research said that uh, trans people are much more likely to commit sex crimes or something like that. I can't remember the exact thing he said. Right. But he made some claim like that, and and everyone in the room was like, "That's not true," <laughs> uh, uh, and they and they called him out on it, and he sort of uh, uh, tried to play it off, but it was pretty clear that like he was wrong. A B, people called him out on on being a liar. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like there's going to be any accountability for any of that. Like, his followers aren't going to think less of him or change their position on what he thinks. He's not going to stop saying hateful things about trans people. So it's not like like any minds are changed in the process. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't know anything about Milo at all uh, until Bill Maher. And I, being someone who's very skeptical and tries to keep an open mind about things— uh, uh, I watched it with sort of fresh eyes, objective eyes that I don't know who this person is. And with his initial conversation with Bill in the very beginning, uh, I agreed with almost everything he said. Uh, um, um, and Bill did as well. And then during the overtime process, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's a fucking asshole. Uh, because of what he said, he proved himself to me to be uh, someone who believes in things that I think is absolutely deplorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think the the argument, if the argument you're making is that he, being on the show didn't change any minds, it changed my mind. My mind was I didn't know anything about him, and now I want to punch him in the face like a Nazi. Okay, well that's I mean that's fair. You know, if people want to say, look, Milo actually has a position, and here's what it is, and he's willing to show up and and stick to a position long enough to be anything other than a moving target during a debate. I'm happy for that to be the case. Sure. I just, in my experience, like the difference. He's the difference. There's a difference between like him and Richard Spencer, for example. Like mm. I would, I think Richard Spencer debate Richard Spencer because Richard Spencer claims to have a coherent position, and therefore, if you can put him into a position where he looks like he's being incoherent, you can at least hold him to that. Milo, I don't think seems to care if his position is inconsistent or not because he's a troll. Like he calls himself a troll and. One of the essences of being a troll is that when you get caught in something, you just troll your way out of it. Yeah, yeah. And and I 100% agree with you on that. Uh, I sort of see this a lot, uh, not just by conservatives, but I see it by liberals as well, where they claim to have a position and then when you push them on it, they have no way of sort of backing it up. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's common. And like you can judge people more or less on that depending on – how bad the position is and what kind of harm it's causing. I think the reason Milo should be deplat like if Milo was saying crazy nonsense, but it was like crazy nonsense about flat eartherism, you know, <laughs> great. Send him on, be reasonable. We can all laugh and move on with our lives. But like when what he's saying is leading to hate crimes against trans people and like this increased mindset amongst a very sort of increasingly radicalized primarily white male angry part of the population like 
that's dangerous. That's that's problematic. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the only that's the main thing where I sort of struggle with it is at what point is it free speech and at what point is it inciting hate crime? And it's so difficult uh, to sort of know what that line is. Right. Well, the reality is the psychology of the people that we're talking about. Like, they, the people that he is speaking to when he says those things, confirmation bias tells us they don't hear the part as well about the don't use violence. What they do hear very clearly is that this person is a sexual predator and they want to get at your women's. At the young women's. At the women's. <laughs> in the bathrooms. Probably the white women's, let's be honest. Right. So, and that, that leads to the fact that, you know, trans people of color especially are at the highest risk of assault and violence yeah. in those kinds of situations. Because, and like, I just, you're not going to get Milo to, to admit that he's wrong about trans people. And the people that listen to him are not going to disagree. And I honestly couldn't tell if Bill Maher disagrees, which was a little bit unnerving. Like... Bill Maher has been very on the, like, trans rights or a boutique thing, and that makes me a little uncomfortable because we're talking about people who are getting murdered for who they are, and I think that's not really a boutique issue. And I felt like he didn't really try that hard to push back on the trans thing with Milo. Well, I and think, I think like, the trans thing only came up once, and it was in overtime. And when it came up, Bill Maher immediately pushed back on it. I'd have to go back and watch the interview. You may be right. I, I thought during the original part of the interview, there was a part where uh, he didn't say trans, but what he said, what what uh, Milo said was, I don't want sex predators in the women's room. And uh, Mar responded with something like, that's fair, I believe. Um, I need to go watch it again now just to confirm yeah, that. Too. But um, <laughs> Yeah, to be, to be fair and skeptical and critical, uh, yeah. I may also be wrong about that. While you were busy uh, wasting time uh, taking care of your fleshy bodily needs, um, the ACU chairman, Matt Schlapp, released a statement officially disinviting Milo from CPAC as wow. a result of his released video condoning pedophilia. Um, wow. So there you have it. That's how you deplatform someone, in case you were curious on the left, how that, how that works. That's, I had no idea he was condoning pedophilia. Yeah, uh, and it, there's been a, a lot of ridiculous debate about what exactly he was condoning and how how rapey it was. So on the scale of rapey, it was pretty rapey. Um, <laughs> on but, the rapey uh, scale, on the on the yeah, on the one to one to Trump scale, it was at least two tiny hands. Um, <laughs> they say in the statement, we realize that um, Mr. Y has responded on Facebook but it is insufficient. It is up to him to answer the tough questions, and we urge him to immediately further address these disturbing comments. There is no disagreement amongst our attendees on the evils of sexual abuse of children. That part we could probably debate some, but I'm glad to see that on the surface they're, they're stand, sticking I with mean, that position. I mean, even prisoners, like, hate child molesters. Sure. Sure. Who doesn't uh, hate a good child molester? I mean, apparently Milo. <laughs> But of oh, course, he I don't is think Catholic. He, actually, he is I don't think Catholic. He actually believes that, though. Like, I mean, and that's and that's like that's what the video was was him talking about how it was okay that he was sexually molested by a priest or something. And it's like, oh, I don't think he actually believes it. I think he's just an edge lord. And I think you know, you live by the edge lord, you die by the edge lord. 
like him and him and PewDiePie can can com- commiserate about the fact that they went just a little too far. And, sure. You know, when your whole shtick is let's see what's a little too far, you know, you get burned eventually. This is true. Though I guess at least that's one situation in which him and Socrates are similar. I should take that part back. Him and Socrates do in fact both condone man boy love as a way to um shepherd the boy into adulthood, I think is the the least creepy way to put it, which is still terrifying. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of our first show. We hope you had some laughs and made peace with the fact that this is our reality. Consider following Embrace the Void on Patreon.com or on Facebook. If you're not able to throw money at the void, how about giving us a five-star rating or a review and invite your fucking friends that keep inviting you to play Candy Crush. Till next time, remember, you are the void and the void is you.